The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about how the world's biggest retailer fits into your marketing strategy. Joining us again is Kiri Masters, who is the founder of Bobsled Marketing, which is a digital marketing agency with years of proven results and experience in helping brands scale on Amazon to level up their sales. Kiri is also the author of the book Amazon for CMOs, and she's also the co-host of the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. And yesterday, Kiri told us about where Amazon should fit into your e-commerce strategy. And today, we're going to get into the weeds and discuss her tips for growing Amazon revenue. All right, here's the rest of my conversation with Kiri Masters, founder of Bobsled Marketing. Kiri, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Great to be back. It's great to be back. I'm excited to talk about the biggest, baddest player on the e-commerce block. We're talking about Amazon and yesterday we talked about where Amazon fits into the landscape in terms of being the biggest e-commerce player, how they've aggregated sort of first party sellers, they're buying their own inventory, they have a marketplace, they have the demand, and the decision for e-commerce players is to list on Amazon or not. Do you want to take advantage of their demand and sacrifice some of the data that you might get by driving traffic to your own website? Let's make the decision, hey, we're we're launching an e-commerce brand and we know that we're going to be selling on Amazon because we want those eyeballs. Talk to me a little bit about your optimization strategy for getting brands up and running with their Amazon stores. There's a lot to talk about here and I wouldn't try and cram it all into 30 minutes, but one foundational thing that I always encourage brands to think about is Amazon has been relegated into like this concept of a distribution channel. This is just where you can get your product into the hands of shoppers. But as we talked to you a little bit about yesterday, Amazon is actually a full marketing stack in its own right as well. It's not just about distribution and fulfillment. It's about capturing customers' attention at the top of the funnel with display advertising, helping to ensure that you're getting onto page one of search results, what your products look like when people click through. Do you have great content? Are you using videos? Are you responding to customer reviews in a friendly and helpful way? And are you just using something as basic and simple but overlooked as making sure that you're prime eligible? So we could take it from top to bottom, but I think the first foundational thing 
that people need to think about is not just about it being distribution and logistics channel, but a full marketing channel as well. I think that's an important call out. This is not just a platform where you're listing your products, right? It is a place where you're able to promote them and also have relationships with your customers, even though you don't necessarily own that relationship. Let's walk through some of those dynamics. First, let's talk about what you need to do to get products listed on Amazon to get them into Prime Fulfillment. What's your checklist look like when a brand comes to you and says, we need to have an Amazon presence? Right. There's four categories of activities I'd I'd say you need to think about and whether you're staffing this internally using an existing team or bringing people on board, or if you're using consultants, freelancers, agencies, you need to have each of these four areas accounted for somewhere and someone accountable for managing each chunk, if you will. So the first operations, this is about inventory availability. You can have the best ad campaigns and the most beautiful content in the world. But if you don't have inventory on Amazon, you're not going to show in search and your ads aren't going to display. So this is just absolute table stakes. You need to understand the lead time of getting products into Amazon, the things that can go wrong with Amazon suspending your products for different reasons, all of the performance requirements that are required from you as a manufacturer that Amazon will put your listing on hold for for various reasons. So there's a lot to go into with this, but essentially that inventory planning and forecasting function is really important. And making your products prime eligible basically requires you to either have a first party wholesale relationship with Amazon or that you're using their fulfillment centers to fulfill orders, which requires you to send bulk inventory to Amazon. That takes a week or two to get there, a week or two for Amazon to receive it and put it in their shelves. And that inventory is then eligible for prime delivery. So walk me through the difference between being a first-party seller and a third-party seller. Either way, you're sending your products to Amazon. What's the difference between them essentially owning the inventory or they're just holding it for you? Yeah, that's the core difference. And there's different iterations of this as well. So if you're a vendor, Amazon's purchasing inventory from you on a wholesale basis, you're generally shipping wholesale purchase orders to Amazon and they're storing the inventory and they own it from that point. In some situations, you might actually drop ship directly to a customer. But that relationship is a really classic wholesale relationship. Amazon buys stuff from you, you hand over the inventory to them in a real or virtual sense, and then they will pay you 90 days later, depending on your terms. You're essentially selling in bulk. Yes. And then the other model is you're using Amazon as a marketplace and you're selling items to customers as customers buy them, with there also being another option, which is you can use Amazon to store and ship your inventory and handle returns for you, which is called fulfillment by Amazon. And that also makes your products eligible for Prime. Whereas if you're shipping products yourself directly to customers, then you're not eligible for Prime. And that has a dramatic impact on your rank in search and also on your conversion rate. So from a monetary perspective, what's the difference between selling a product in bulk to Amazon? What's the cut that you have to give them from a wholesale rate? And then what do you have to pay Amazon if you're a third-party seller? What's actually more beneficial from a revenue perspective? It's going to vary pretty dramatically from brand to brand, but generally speaking, it's more profitable to sell on the marketplace. 
If you're a vendor selling wholesale, you can expect to at least give a 50% discount to Amazon. And that's going to vary again by brand to brand. But on the marketplace, say you've got a $100 product, you're going to pay Amazon $15 as a referral fee. And that includes the credit card transaction and all of the access to their platform and everything. And then if you're going to use Amazon's fulfillment services, then you might pay an extra $4 on the low end for a lightweight item to fulfill that and have it shipped to the customer. Okay. So obviously it depends on the size and packaging of your product, which dictates what your price is. But generally, there's a larger cut for selling in bulk, selling wholesale. Beyond just the, you know, getting your product up, getting the inventory there, inventory management, you mentioned that there were four things. That's the first one. What are the other three? The next one's brand protection. And so this is where the inherent pros and cons of a marketplace really play out. So if you're a brand, you don't have control over who else is selling your products on Amazon. As long as they are not counterfeit, Amazon encourages other sellers to come on and compete with you on your own products, essentially. So let's say you are Nike, who recently pulled out of selling on Amazon. They got very frustrated because they wanted to sell products on Amazon and not have these third parties come in and muddy the waters with different price points and out of season styles and stuff like that. And Amazon was like, well, that's just how the marketplace works. And Nike actually just abandoned Amazon recently. So that's one pain point is that unauthorized sellers can jump on and cause a little bit of havoc and channel conflict for you potentially. So the things that you need to think about there is going back to your distribution agreements with these distributors and resellers. What are they allowed to do? To the extent possible, you can put some clauses in your agreements to say that your distributors and resellers are not allowed to sell on Amazon or other marketplaces. And then it becomes a question of enforcing that requirement. So what we will do for clients is scan their listings and check for unauthorized sellers and see if they are adhering to minimum advertised price policies or reseller policies and alert the brand if they're not, try and identify who that seller is, send them a notice, say, hey, we know who you are and what you're doing, not allowed to do this. But it is a gray area and Amazon really is incentivized to allow third-party sellers because it helps to drive more competition on the platform, which keeps prices low and the assortment ever growing. So that's a really challenging area for brands to wrap their arms around is that brand protection piece. So first, you got to get your products on the platform, have enough inventory, make sure you have availability. You're going to check to make sure that no one else is selling the same products that you are or, or your products. You have to have some brand protection. Then what's next? Next is marketing, our favorite topic. So marketing on Amazon takes lots of different forms. Now that Amazon, every time I go on there, it looks more and more like a social media site. They've got live video. They've got Instagram style posts. They've started putting 360 degree spin images on product listings, videos, infographics. There's a lot of content options with Amazon. And this is generally a really good thing for brands because it means that there's more ways to communicate the value of your product and show it in a really appealing way. But it does also mean that you're up against a lot of competition from other brands who've already been investing in that content for a long time. So I would think about the product content 
You've got storefronts where you can sort of merchandise your assortment. You can keep updating that seasonally and refresh that assortment with different discounts and bestsellers and things like that. And then we've also got promotions and deals on Amazon too. So they've invented the prime day in the middle of the year, obviously. So we need to work with our clients to think about a calendar throughout the year of when do you want to discount? What kind of promotion do you want to run? Do you want to do a coupon? Do you want to do a percent off? Do you want to do social media promos? So there's lots of different promotional tools as well as content. And that's really the third piece of the puzzle to figure out. So you mentioned that marketing, obviously you have to figure out how your product is going to be represented. And there's multiple different channels, whether it be trying to optimize for search, there's the advertising platform. How are you seeing people finding the most success using the Amazon platform for marketing? Is it primarily through display advertising? Uh, Is it their equivalent of paid search? What is actually driving the best bang for your buck? There was some analysis recently by a company called Marketplace Pulse, and they looked at a search. I think it was like they were searching for a table lamp or something like that. Generic keyword, plug that into Amazon. And out of 25 product tiles, only three were organic. The rest were sponsored placements, editorial placements, Amazon private labels, and banner ads, essentially. So there's less and less space for organic search results, which is just SEO driven, essentially. So that sort of leads to the fourth point, which is paid advertising, because in a very real sense, it's very difficult to get onto the first page of search results where you want to be if you're not also paying to play. You mentioned that there's outside of marketing, there's a last step to be able to drive incremental Amazon revenue. What do you do after you've marketed your product? So once you get your product converting well, then you want to be looking at paid advertising. So there's two different formats on Amazon. There's DSP or the display advertising, which we talked about yesterday on the podcast. But what is the place that I encourage most brands to start with is pay-per-click advertising on Amazon, where we can bid on keywords. We can also bid on competitor product pages or maybe complementary product pages. And we can show an ad for our product which is charged on a per-click format. And we see pretty good ROI on that ad type because once you're on Amazon searching for a table lamp, you've got a pretty high likelihood of following through with a purchase on Amazon to buy a table lamp. So there's generally pretty good conversion on those PPC campaigns if you know how to set those up well. Last question for you before we let you go. We've talked through the setup, the brand protection, marketing. What are some of the channels? Is there anything else you need to do or anything else that you advise marketers to think about when they are launching their products on Amazon? One more thing that I would suggest thinking about, and I'm going to assume that most folks tuning in today are in the US market. Amazon.com is the most established market for Amazon. It's the one with the most traffic, the most sales volume, but it's also the most competitive. And one sort of advanced level tactic that you can go after, of course, is looking at international markets where Amazon's also very well established. I was just talking with an agency owner in Italy today who has a very similar business to mine. And he said that out of 60 million Italians, there's 30 million visits to Amazon Italy every month. So in some of these markets like UK, Europe, Japan, Amazon's also very established in those markets and very much a part of the commerce landscape. And I wouldn't say it's easy to expand to these new markets. You still need to think about 
taxes and importing and a lot of these operational things. But once you have a strategy working in one Amazon market, you're sort of at least half of the way there to understanding how you can expand into a new market as well. So that's more of an advanced level tactic that I'd suggest pursuing once you have those pieces in place. Amazon, the biggest, baddest retail player in the United States, also creating a larger and larger footprint outside of the United States. Kiri, our friend from Australia, obviously you've seen this firsthand. I appreciate you coming on the show and giving us your thoughts on how to drive incremental Amazon revenue. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Okay. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Kiri Masters, founder of Bobsled Marketing, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Kiri, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet. Her handle is Bobsled Marketing, B-O-B-S-L-E-D-M-K-T-G. Or you can visit her website, which is bobsledmarketing.com. Also, you can check out her book, Amazon for CMOs, on, you guessed it, Amazon. Just one link I want to tell you about in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com. We have summaries of all of our episodes, the contact information for our guests. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can also send us your marketing questions or your topic suggestions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media as well. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.